Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. Yeah, one thing I really want to do, and I'm I'm going to do it. Um, actually, one of the other things Bo talked about, which has been on the top of our mind, is doing like a Florida luau, like yeah. making it Florida style instead of Hawaiian style. Yeah. And like you know, Bo had the idea of you know, you say. Uh, so the idea was like, what are the most Florida foods and what you think of when you think of Florida? So I was like, we should roast a shark. And do a teriyaki gator tail. You just heard Chef Becca Finn Dyson and Chef Bo Marcou from Coastal Eats of Southwest Florida tell us some of their future ideas. Becca and Bo are personal chefs offering dining experiences in North, Captiva, Yuseppa, Pine Island, and Cape Coral. While they offer so many wonderful personalized chef services from plated meals, buffets, heat and serves, fresh catches, and cooking classes, they are constantly pitching new ideas to each other. And now, here are Becca and Bo. Well, welcome, Chef Becca and Chef Bo, two chefs in the house. Nice to see you here. Um, you're from Coastal Eats, Southwest Florida. And um, the, I've been going out and looking at your websites and Instagram. And the, it, it just looks phenomenal what you're doing. And I see, congratulations, you have more than 1,000. I saw you posting that, 1,000 subscribers to your Facebook page. Yeah, that was exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. So we're going to start like we always do. Start in the very beginning, where you're from, where you went to school, how'd you get here to what you're doing now. And we'll start with Becca first, because you want to, I want to hear about Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My name is Becca. I grew up in Southeast Alaska. I was born and raised there to a commercial fishing family. My father is a troller and he trolls for salmon. And when he was younger, he did, he did everything. He, we, he did salmon in the summertime and then he would long line for halibut and we did the shrimp and black cod and he's done all the fishing under the sun. I grew up in a very um, subsistence based lifestyle. And I've really kind of carried that through with me for my whole life. Like, that's what I really strive to be. And I think one of the reasons that I really like Pine Island is because there's a lot of sustainability here, a lot of options to kind of keep that going and have it expand and grow. So I lived in Alaska. Um, My first job, I was, you know, waiting tables at our local bakery. And, And in where I grew up, there was 75 people in the town I grew up in teeny tiny little town we had one two actually two restaurants we had a bakery and then um rosie's um, she's a little filipino lady she made the best filipino food and the best french fries i think i guess now in retrospect as i'm talking about that that's where my love of french fries has come from (laughs) she'd have those big old potato wedges and you know she makes everything from scratch that was my first chop suey chow mein all all as a kid but she also was known best for her burgers. Anyways, I lived there until I was 19. And then I went to culinary school at La Cordon Bleu in Portland, Oregon. I did that for two years, graduated there, worked in a fine dining restaurant for two years, 
three years after that. And then I, my dad got into an accident on the boat and he broke his back. So I moved back home to kind of help them out. And I was in a funk where I was at anyways. So it was just time for me to move, which was really good. And after that, I got a job working as the chef at a fishing resort in Elfin Cove, Alaska. And that's kind of where I feel like everything started. Like I, I did everything from top to bottom. I was doing all the ordering, all of the menu planning, the meal prep, everything. I was the only person in the kitchen. We'd serve 30 people at a time, four months straight, like four months straight of back-to-back dinners like that. So it was kind of jumped in head first and fake it till you make it a little bit. And I did that for five years. Um, which is where I met my husband. There was different lodges that I worked at. So we started off with that lodge. The owner was not great. So we, um, I got courted by some other lodges in the area and uh, there were only nine people that lived in this community. So we're going, we're downscaling here. Nine people that lived there year round. And it was like, it was a summer, the summer tourism in Alaska is big. Mm -hmm. So everybody comes there for the summer. Best fishing is in the summer. Everything happens in the summer there. So um, I met my husband there and he was living in Northport, Florida, and he has lived in Florida since he was about nine years old, Um, met him there. And I told him, I'm like, I'm never leaving Alaska. This is it. Like I lived in Oregon for a few years and it's great, but now I'm, I'm on to, you know, I'm going to stay in Alaska. Anyways, now I'm here in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Never say never, right? Yeah, never say never. I never thought I'd even step foot in this state. I really didn't. I knew a couple people in Florida that kind of tainted the whole state for me. (laughs) and, And I never thought I'd step foot here, but it's really grown on me. And like the further we kind of moved South, like we started in Northport and it was nice there. Um, it was a little landlocked for our lifestyle. My mm-hmm. husband does fishing charters also. So, and you know, me growing up on the water, we are really like ocean water oriented. And I probably would not have liked Florida if I hadn't met my husband who loves being near the water. We do everything out on the water. Anyways, so moved down to Florida and we kind of played in the summertime, went back and forth. And then um, when I got pregnant with my oldest daughter, Lorelai, and we decided to move down here full time instead of going back and forth. And that's when we got a job out on North Captiva as property managers. That's also when we did that for about a year. And then I started doing private dinners out there. And uh, and now here we are. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Skip ahead four years and it's just really <laughs> evolved since. That's a great story. It's been exciting. Yeah, it was meant to happen. Did you ever thank your dad for hurting his back that brought you back to... You know what? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) But it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. That whole situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything just kind of laid out in front of me. Was your dad ever on Dangerous Catch or I may have the name of the show wrong about (laughs) the crabbers? No. No, he wasn't that hardcore. Okay. No. (laughs) That's scary. Yeah. No, he wasn't that crazy. He has he has his own little trolling boat. It's like a 40, 49 foot troller. It's him in one deckhand, and they just kind of tool around the intercoastal. So we have an archipelago, which is I think most similar to how the keys work, which is thousands of islands. And that's what that's all the fishing that he did. He did go up to the um the Gulf of Alaska and he would do some offshore like deep water fishing and that kind of a thing. But nothing, nothing that wild. Luckily, yeah, no. luckily. <laughs> well, how about you, Chef Bo? Uh, Southwest Florida, born and raised. Mm-hmm. I've been here my whole life. Um, 
just as a kid, my parents were very supportive of me cooking. So from very young age, six, seven, I was already scrambling eggs and messing around in the kitchen and uh, just kind of did that my whole childhood. And when I was a teenager, I didn't really think of cooking as a career option. I, I was more into technology. So I went to school for uh, web development. I'm a certified web developer. And while I was doing that, I had jobs in kitchens. So I did a lot of line cooking, prep. And uh, when I finished school and got into doing web development, it was kind of a really boring job. And it didn't pay as well as a lot of my kitchen jobs. So I kind of just decided to stay in the kitchen. And uh, that's just kind of where it all started. And uh, I ma mainly worked out on North Captiva at Mango's and then uh, moved over to the Boathouse, which is owned by the same people. It's a little more fine dining. It's like a steakhouse. And uh, I worked in there for a long time. And uh, eventually I kind of was the main guy up there. So it was me and two other people. And I ran that kitchen for a couple of years. And then COVID started. And that's when I met Chef Becca. And she's the one that kind of introduced me to all the private dinners out there. And that's how we started working together. And I really liked it. It was a nice change of pace. And um, it was a lot more fulfilling of a job. So that's when I decided to move to the private dinners full time. And it's kind of when we just started working together and we've been doing it ever since. Sounds like you learned everything about restaurants though. Yeah. What, the jobs that you had and Yeah, being I never in went charge. to culinary school. It was all self-taught, just working in kitchens. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of culinary school, so you must have liked cooking or you wouldn't have gone to culinary school or thought you had some kind of calling. Was it what you expected or, you know, a lot of times too, I think particularly when you're growing up, you have an idea of what you might want to be. And I'm not talking about when you're four and five and you want to be a firefighter or a policeman kind of stuff, you know, but was that a culture shock or was it what you expected to, to, to be? You know, what was that experience like? Because I, I, that can't be easy. You mean transitioning from like the small town to... Well, just just the process of going through culinary school. Yeah, you oh, had yeah. the additional thing from a very, very small town into Portland, which yeah. is not a small city. But, you know, I mean, if you take Bo's experience, it's all taught by other people, hands-on experience, kind of school of hard knocks, probably made a bunch of mistakes along the way, but he didn't have somebody looking over his shoulder. So what was it like to go in and have that inspection over cooking, on, over something you like? Like, Because I, I just imagine there's some things kids go into it and they get turned off by it because of the pressure or the needing to achieve, or some people just take to it and say, yes, this is what I want. Yeah. And as I knew cooking was always something that I wanted to do. I sought other avenues. Like I went to a university before that. I started off with business administration. I wish I had stuck with that in retrospect. Went to biochemistry for some reason. Why? I don't know. Oh, wow. Right. That was horrible. But the, and the reason I quit that was because my first class, in the biochemistry major, it was an auditorium class. There was 370 students in the class. And I, it was an algebra class. It was like advanced algebra. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Like I had, my class was six. We had the largest graduating class in the whole school. <laughs> so I, I fumbled around for a while and <clears throat> everything kind of came back to culinary school. I ended up like, you know, credit, credit, okay predecessing what happened with my dad. It was kind of the same line of things. I was like, well, something happened in my life and nothing worked out. And the little voice in my head was like, well, go to culinary school. I'm like, all right. I tried to get jobs in the culinary industry. Nobody would even hire me as a dishwasher. 
And I didn't try very hard either because I think I love going to school that I don't know. I like, I like that kind of educational side of things. I like learning. Yeah. I like learning. And the only learning I had ever done really was through, you know, through a school system. So it was comfortable in a way. I loved going to culinary school, but culinary school, it was, you could tell there was like, it was like the culinary school was two separate units. There was the educational side to culinary school. And then there were the chef instructors. And the chef instructors were what made the school, hands down. The establishment itself was unorganized and chaotic at best. And I think it shows because now there are the Le Cordon Bleu pulled out of the whole country here a few years ago. So there's no more Le Cordon Bleu schools in the country, in the whole United States. So, but the chef instructors are what absolutely made it. And they, that was the divide between the students that excelled and did really well in, in life after the school, because they graduated, everybody. You enroll in school, you graduate, right? So there's not really like, they didn't ever fail people. But if you, but the chef instructors were really good about finding those students or recognizing those students that like to learn and their interests, and they would focus on those students. So I was, a, I was a sponge. I absorbed everything. I asked all the questions. I wasn't afraid to do something wrong or to ask the questions or to be someone in there. So I really liked it. They, one of the chef instructors kind of took me under his wing and they hired me. They have a restaurant that they serve. And that's like what you do as your last class is you run the restaurant. You and your peers, you run their restaurant to the public, right? So people come in and you serve them food and it's a fine dining atmosphere. And talk to me. <laughs> fine dining atmosphere and you you feed, feed the kids. So they took me, I got to do that essentially before our final class because they, they hired me to help them work there as a server mostly. So I would be doing the serving and the waiting at the tables. I learned about wine through doing that. And I got to see what the other students above me were doing, what kind of food they were putting out, what they were learning to do. Um, and then they also, the school helped me. They have an, in, they call it an externship program. It's an unpaid externship. You do it while you're in school. That's a six month program. You work with a restaurant for six months and then maybe they'll hire you afterwards. I got lucky. I got signed on to a seafood, um, seafood and wine bar, another fine dining establishment. And I, I loved it. I learned in my two, it was only two years there. So in my short two years at that restaurant, I learned absolutely hands down as much as I did as my two years at culinary school, just on a different kind of. I guess, context. I got my foundations, you know, I got to learn my knife skills, which I didn't, you know, I got to hone in the knife skills and, and the techniques on how to do things. And then the actual practice of working in a restaurant and how to, how to do everything. And I started at the bottom. Well, not quite at the bottom. They were, I was above the dishwasher, but I was in the pantry station. So I learned salads and oysters and then slowly moved up from there over the two years. And eventually I made it onto the line and which is exactly what I wanted when I went into culinary school. I wanted to start at the bottom. I wanted to learn everything about running a restaurant because I thought that I wanted to run a restaurant in the end. By the time I got out of that two year work with, um, with South Park, which is what it was called, I realized I'm like, I don't want to do this for a, I don't 
don't want to do this for a living. This is not, uh, this is not what I want to do. Well, and there was a lot of pressure because the expectation of the customers must have been very high. You know, back then. I think I thrived on that maybe. Oh, you you like to challenge. I wasn't quite so intimidated (laughs) about, I guess then I wasn't so focused on what the, what the customers thought, but what my chef thought. That was really like, that's where it was at. The customers were kind of like an afterthought, you know, like you're, I guess, and that's the, that's the kind of idea around a kitchen is your chef is the leader. So you're doing all of this for your leader, you know, and that's kind of the culture, the major culture of the kitchen. Wow. So you meet each other and you start on the private thing. So then how does, uh, Costa Lisa, Southwest Florida come about? Was it, was it something immediate? Did it something that kind of germinated over time that you wanted to work for yourselves and, and run a company? Is, you know, you just said you didn't want to run a restaurant. And I know running a company and running a restaurant are a little bit different, but you're still in the food service industry. Uh, I think it, it mostly just started out of a necessity. We Beck has been doing it for about three years now, right? I've been doing it for, yeah, four years. Laurel, I was a year old when we came to the island, and I've been doing it almost since we moved out. Yes, she's been doing about four years. I've been doing about two, two and a half. So we've been doing it for a while without being under the banner of Coastal Leads. And it kind of just got to a point where we realized it would just be a lot easier if we made it official. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easier to market ourselves if we have a company name. Makes the business side a lot easier. Um, That's pretty much how it was we, we were doing really good just by ourselves as our uh, just under our names but it's just a lot easier to do it as a company make it official we can bring in more people now um, offer more services besides just private dinners uh, we do catering and prep meals now and um, it's I think it's a lot harder to market something like prepared meals if you're just doing private dinners mm-hmm. so it was pretty much yeah and it, natural evolution there. Yeah. And that's kind of it was another one of those like opportunity things. After after Hurricane Ian happened, I also had a one month old at the time and I was giving all of my private dinners to Bo. I sent them all to Bo. Everything over there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was kind of like, well, I guess, you know, we're and then Hurricane Ian happened and we were all just like kind of dead in the water. So, I took another job and Bo took another job and then clouds cleared and and then a, a, our our partner, we have a third partner. Her name is Kendra. She sent us a message. She sent me a message and was like, "Hey, what do you think about you know starting something up again?" And and it was like all everything aligned at that moment. And it was like the text message was sent at the right time. Where I was in my place was at the right time. And we kind of strung Bo along, <laughs> strung him in in with it too. Because I knew I told her I said, "Well, I'm not doing this without Bo." Bo's been. I mean, we have yeah, we've worked together for. Did we say three years? I think two and a half, three years. Two and a half, three about, years. Yeah. Yeah. I know you you were doing it for like a year before I think we started so. working together. Maybe my time my timeline is all wrong. Anyways, we've yeah, and we've known each other for that long and longer. Yeah, it's been it, it was like everything just kind of. So, Bo, with you being Southwest Florida native, you invariably knew about Pine Island, but you choose Northport. You mentioned it was landlocked. What was the thought? Was it the uh, the water, what what was it that got you down to Pine Island? And we only ask because you tell most people you're on Pine Island or you work on Pine Island, and even longtime Floridians will say, Where is that? Uh, oh, yeah. 
So when my husband took the, or my husband answered an ad on Craigslist, how long ago this was, he answered an ad on Craigslist for a husband and wife captain team. Husband, a captain, a captain and wife team to manage their property on North Captiva. And my husband was on his pouring concrete at the time and he was taking a break in his truck and he pulled out his phone and he sent one long one no no punctuation text message email to these people and she called us right away and we went out to see what we were getting into and that was the end of it so we did that for two years and when his so that was every weekend so we would come down every weekend through Matt Lachey, stop at a perfect cup and get our coffee, you know, go out to the commercial marina on Maria Drive, launch our boat and go over. And then through working as that property manager, his fishing charter business started gaining more traction down here. My culinary business started gaining more traction down here. And that's how, so we were, and then it got to a point where we were doing like five days. It's an hour to Northport. Mm-hmm. So five days a week, you yeah. know, between him and I, we were coming down here. I was wearing tear in our car. It was long drives. And we, so we live on a boat also. What we did was we decided we pulled the anchor and we're like, I guess it's time. We're going to move our stuff down there. Pulled anchor and he drove the boat down and I drove our truck down and met him over there. <laughs> it actually sounds like it was planned. You know how everything came together. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's fascinating because uh, there's so many people talk about, here's my plan. Here's my five-year plan. Um, big companies are infamous for asking you, what's your, fi-? maybe they don't do it anymore. But as I, we were both going through, what's your five-year plan? Like, what's your vision for yourself? And I got finally got to the point where I'm like, you know, I, I think it's about opportunity and situations. And to say I have a plan, it, it has no merit. I can write something down on paper. But, you know, it's got to be the right situation. It's got to be the right situation for the company. It's got to be the right situation for me. It's got to be the right situation for us. It's got to be in the right locale. And so many of the things that I think have happened, we've lived all over the country, but that wasn't planned. Um, it was, you know, situations or, or opportunities came up. And you two really are kind of the essential of that as well, is that everything has just progressed through a series of um, opportunities that appealed to you or stuff that they learned that, you know, made you jump up to the next level. So it's kind of interesting how that has come about for you into the successful starting and running of a business now. Yeah, absolutely. I've always seen life as kind of like doors or paths, you know, paths, choices and paths. And yeah, I know when I take a good path, I know when I take a bad path, usually always in retrospect. And the bad paths aren't necessarily mistakes but other types of learning (laughs) well it looks like you're so open to both of you to to new things like your services certainly have grown started with did it start with plated dinners yeah that was the foundation but now you offer all these other services that sound phenomenal yeah and that's been the benefit of partnering with Bo and with Kendra is we've been able to really broaden our scope yeah, more ideas, and it allows us to split up and do different mm-hmm. things. How did you arrange, was it your husband with the captains, one of our, you know, pick a captain on our, a vetted captain, and then 
it just sounds fascinating. And then what you catch, hopefully they catch something, but what you catch will be prepared (laughs) whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that one sounds very exciting. Yep, we call that the fresh catch. And that's what, you know, and because our start was on North Captiva, we, and North Captiva is primarily vacation rentals, that's who that's who our clientele has been. And that's kind of where that came from and who we cater to because people want to come out and want to have a good time and they want to do things. And North Captiva is very small. There's not a lot to do. So one of the things that people like to do is go fishing. And that's kind of how, how that evolved into that, into the, the fresh catch. And it tends to be a pretty, a pretty popular one. Well, it's brilliant. I remember restaurants would say bring in your, and we didn't see that. Remember that started changing that they weren't saying bring your fresh catches in. Yeah, you really don't see that too often anymore. Mm-hmm. I, there's only like two restaurants I can think of that do that in this area. That's probably thanks to COVID. Yeah, probably. Oh, I sure. can see that. Yeah, that's probably what did it. Well, for those of us that primarily cook with a microwave, let's start with <laughs> what is a plated dinner? <laughs> uh, the plated dinner is, it's basically... The way we market it is we bring the restaurant to your house. So that means you're getting full service. We're going to come in. We're going to set your table. We're going to bring the food to you. It's, you're going to have a menu. The menu's already pre-made for you, so you're not going to pick from it. But it, it's bringing just that restaurant experience. We want you to be able to relax. We're going to come in, do all the cooking and cleaning. It's going to be like we were never there, except it'll be full when we leave. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, that's pretty much it. We just kind of, it was really COVID, I think, that started it for you. It was, you know, everyone was staying at their houses at the beginning, but people still want to have experiences. Mm-hmm. So it made that opportunity to let's just bring the restaurant to the house then if you can't leave and kind of just snowballed from there. Yeah, we were really able to capitalize on that after COVID. Was yeah. it in the beginning, was it typically like a two people or four people kind Same. of group? I, you know, I actually just did my first private dinner for two. It's usually at the lowest four. It's anywhere between four to 10, I would say, is a normal dinner. A lot of like dinner parties, anniversaries, birthdays, that sort of thing. And that's because it's North Captiva. People are coming out with their families to vacation. So that's usually, yeah. It gives everybody a break. More people. If you guys do everything, you know, they can can enjoy. That's the point. Yes. That's clever. Yeah, it's been it's been good and we want to expand. But right now we're still well, we're we're planning on expanding. We'd love to expand to somewhere like Pine Island and Cape Coral and and we're just kind of letting the dust settle after kind of coming together and making all this happen and the holidays. The holidays things really went like fast. But now you're in the season. Yeah. And it's going to it just it's yeah, just spring break's going to be here before you know Ooh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you guys will be busy. We've got plated. We touched on fresh catch, which is go out fishing and then have it cooked. I assume that comes with uh, sides as well, right? It's not just the- it's, it's a, a four-course meal. Four-course meal. Cool. Yeah. All right. So what are what are some of the other services then? Uh, we do prepared meals. So if you're coming out to the island or even if you just live here in southwest Florida, we have a menu of a bunch of different meals you can order starting at four servings. Uh, I'd say it's very similar to something like HelloFresh. Um, but we use all locally sourced ingredients. We go to farmer's markets uh, to get all of our ingredients. We try to cook seasonal dishes. So our menus are always changing. 
Uh, we're aiming for once a month menu swaps. Right now, where it's seasonal. Uh, the goal is once a month, though. And uh, we have something for everyone. We have vegetarian, vegan, non-dairy, gluten-free. Um, whatever your dietary restrictions are, we can cater to it. And you do what, family style? And um, Yeah, so for a catering, we do family style meals. Um, large, usually that's for larger events. I'd say 10, 15, 20, scale it up. And um, yeah, that's just big family style meals. We'll come in, we set the uh, table up, and we basically make a big buffet for you. We have a menu you can choose from, or we can you tell us what your restrictions are. We'll make something for you. Well, I saw your seafood boil. The that seafood boils fabulous. are very big. Thank you. So, yeah, the seafood boil is probably the most popular one. I'd say most people like a good seafood boil. Um, our second one, the second most popular, is a luau. So oh, really? we come in. Yeah. Come in. Uh, it's teriyaki chicken, homemade teriyaki. Becca makes really good teriyaki. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. I learned from my Hawaiian husband. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's real. <laughs> it's real Hawaiian style oh, teriyaki. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So we come in, we decorate, we do a big luau party. And um, same fun. thing. A whole yeah. bunch of sides, whole four course meal, dessert and everything. Well, do you have the music then too for the luau's? And the... We can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're actually working on the... We're, we've been talking about getting uh, finding like a DJ or something. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And on that note, we do for our, um, this is, I guess, mostly requested for our, our buffets or our family style dinners. We do have contracts with bartenders. So we're, we try to be as all inclusive as possible. We've got bartenders. Um, I do have contacts for a DJ speaking of. So we've done several dinners where we've hired our bartender to come out and they'll, you know, 10 bar and the North Captiva tends to have houses that have like little outdoor bar seating. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, we try to be as, as available. Well, it would be hard needs. to bartend and cook at the same, <laughs> wouldn't it? You do not want me making your drinks. It would be. I've done it before though. <laughs> yeah. Both well, of the good cocktails. Done separately. I would say yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I noticed you do brunches. Yeah, Miss Mimosa here is Ms. very Mimosa, interesting. Miss yeah. Mimosa, yeah. He, he's Mr. Bloody Mary, so. Becca's our brunch lady. Yeah. So we've actually got a brunch coming up here um, for a wedding. But yeah, we'll do, you know, it's, it's more buffet style, a little more casual with the brunch. Um, come into your house and then it's all the same thing. You know, we'll, we'll do a little, get your little buffet table together ready, have your separate little drink station. And um, we haven't had a whole lot of people hitting on the brunch yet. I think brunch can be kind of hit and miss, but it works better again, I think, may, or not better, but it works for um, larger parties and larger groups that, you know, you want to entertain or you have an event that you're celebrating or something like that. Well, it seems like brunch just kind of went down, not, not you two, but I mean, Years ago, it was kind of an event, and you would go out and do it, and the, and the quality, just maybe I went to the wrong places. You know, we, you know, a couple couples would go out or something like that, and you'd have this really nice experience, and then it seemed like it kind of went downhill, where it was maybe the quality of what they were purchasing for the price that they thought they could charge or something like that. So if you're bringing the quality back in, that was always a great thing, particularly you know, if, if the demographic, to be honest with you, is not a three meal a day demographic to have that nice brunch and have a little bit of everything and, and a couple of drinks, I mean, you're, you're kind of set for the day. It's yeah. a, be a great pleasant experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I, can, I can tell you exactly why the brunch went downhill. 
You ask any restaurant chef that did a brunch and everybody hates it. Nobody likes doing the brunch. It's a lot of work. And I think for not a lot of, of gain on the chef's side mm-hmm. of things. So I tell you, 99% of the chefs I've ever talked to does not like brunch. It was interesting when you said that. Having that a little bit of the inside knowledge. She used to have a, a guy work for her and his family was in the restaurant business. And she said something about, you know, what, what to order. She goes, the special. That's what the chef is really into that day. Mm-hmm. And we've never forgotten that to this day. So when you said the brunch was not overly rewarding to the chef, I'm like, this is now starting to kind of connect the dots and make a little exactly. bit of sense. Exactly. It's very yeah. true. Yeah. When you ask what the special is, you should really get, get one of special. those. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, it is phenomenal usually. And people don't understand, oh, no, I want the, you know, what I always get. Okay. You're missing out. It's a special for the reason. Yeah. It's going to be fresh and it's what they want to make. Yeah. It's so what they enjoy, right? Yeah. That's that secret ingredient thing. You know, we get asked all the time, what's your secret ingredient? Well, Bo actually has a secret ingredient. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just say love. Yeah. Yours is doing love. Mine is love. <laughs> what's your secret ingredient? Oh, you can't what's, say. Uh, well, I'll tell you. It's MSG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. You know, there was a there was a situation comedy and I can't remember what the dish was. And she said, Oh my God, this is the best I've ever had. What's the secret ingredient? And I think she thought they were gonna say love or something like that. She goes, lard. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's true. That's a good one. But it, it does taste taste good. good. Yeah. You know, in the past we've had a lot of fun at cooking classes, and I guess you do cooking classes. So let's talk a little bit about what those are and, and how that works. It's and again, we're like fully customizable. We have a base of what we offer, but a lot of times it's just a guideline or to inspire who whoever we're serving. So the cooking classes have been like, I did a dessert cooking class. We did creme brulee. That was a lot of fun. Um, and we did it a couple of different ways. Nothing burnt down. Nothing burnt okay, down. Cool. You know? <laughs> and everybody loves using the torch. Yes, I was going to say. Everybody loves the using part. the torch. Yes. <laughs> um. And pasta as always, because that's something that you can do at home. It's relatively easy and straightforward, and it presents really nice. So if you're trying to impress somebody or it's a holiday meal, making your own pasta is is a lot of fun. Yeah. We did risotto. He, uh, a friend of mine, she was a spinning instructor, and I didn't know she was also a chef. And there was a place in Tampa called The Rolling Pin. I don't know if it's a chain. But they had a lot of kitchen. We love kitchen stores. You know, mm-hmm. We get all the little... Sir Latal. Yes. And, yeah. And we went in and she was in there and I said, what are you doing? And, and she said, well, I, I teach classes. I went, oh, we're going. And we <laughs> went up. We sat right up there like, and um, right in the front. And what was it? 43 minutes for, to make risotto from scratch. It was... And then when we had someone over, we... We put her to work. We said, here, yep. we're going to show you how to make risotto. And she said, I've never been invited to dinner where I've been told to cook. cook. But <laughs> she was a good friend, and we, we really enjoyed that. Well, our other trick, truth be told, was we had bought one of those electric pasta makers, so probably not <laughs> the, what you teach. What? But, you know, you still put the semolina flour and the eggs and stuff into it, and people would come over, and they're like, we're going to have homemade pasta? And she would go, you're yeah, gonna make here's it. the tool. And we got it all measured out. You pick the and then dye. You roll it around and get it mixed up, and then you put the dye on, and you just reverse it. So there was no hand pressing or right, right. You know, like would be done. But it was entertainment at dinner. Absolutely. 
that makes it we do a lot of that for the plated dinners too and the prepared dinners if we have stone crab or oysters nine times out of ten you're gonna be shucking your own store or shucking your own oysters and getting your own meat out of your stone crab because <laughs> people and and it's it just adds a little bit to it yeah and people that have never done that like i'd say a majority of the people have, i've done oysters for have never shucked an oyster before they're hard to shuck. They are. They are, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we had a neighbor come over. Yeah. <laughs> and show, me. show me. Show yeah. me. It's still hard. It is. So with all those cooking experiences, you've got to have some great or funny stories or experiences, whether it was your interaction with food and the staff or the customer's reaction. So any memorable events of, you know, where some, you, maybe you got a reaction you didn't expect or you thought something was going to be a disaster and it turned out. It, anything like that popped to mind? I have one. Yeah, okay, you go. <laughs> you go think about it. Okay. Yeah. I will never forget. And a lot of these things, I suppose, you know, the first thing that anybody would think of are the mistakes they make. So this is one of those stories. I, um, a group had hired me to do a Thanksgiving dinner, to come in and do the full Thanksgiving dinner. They told me what they wanted and I made it for them. Everything was ready. We're waiting on the turkey. And my, th- and my daughter was a year, a year and a half at the time. And she liked to, you know, she liked to get into my stuff and like, you know, mess with my things, right? So a little foreshadowing. And I pull out the turkey and it's like beautiful. And it's the right, like I have it time dried and my intuition is telling me this turkey's perfect. And I hit it with my thermometer and it's reading at like 120. So your turkey and fowl or any fowl should be cooked to a minimum temperature of 160. You need to 155, you let it rest and that's fine, but it was nowhere near where it needed to be. And I'm like, oh man. So I put it in for another hour. And like, I had a little leeway here. You know, I was, I was prepared. I was ready for any circumstances. And you have to be really adaptable when you're doing the plated dinners, especially on North Cap Diva, where you can't just run up to a store <laughs> and get another turkey, right? So I temp it. And an hour later, still, it was like 123. And I'm like, what? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with the oven? What's wrong with my turkey? What am I doing? I put it in for another hour. And by this time, I'm sweating. I'm like, okay, how much time left? And I temp it again. It's 120. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going with my gut here. This turkey is done. And it's still a beautiful color. I take it out, let it rest, slice it up. Um, and somewhere along the line, I had realized and, and like, I had to tell the clients, I was like, oh, you know, it's going to be a little bit longer. And they were, you know, watching football and hanging out. We had appetizers for drinking. them. So they weren't drinking. <laughs> so they were like, no big deal. And I, I, I put in one last time and I look at my thermometer and it's in Celsius. Oh, and it, I had cooked that turkey <laughs> so much. It tempted out my thermometer. It would not go any higher. I almost cried on that turkey. I was mortified. The only thing that saved me was I dry brine the turkey. I cannot, I'm like an avid dry briner after this situation. It was still moist. I cooked the poo out of that turkey. I cooked it. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation yes, yes. where they could have cut the turkey. And that's what I had imagined when I was going <laughs> to cut into it. It was just like, <gasps> just dust coming Aww. out of it. It was still slightly moist. 
And I couldn't, like, I told the, I was telling the lady who hired me, like, what happened. And I was just, like, mortified. Anyways, they had me sit down at dinner with them. And like I said, the turkey was still moist. Thank goodness. It wasn't horrible. It could have been better. It could have been less dry, but it still was better than that. Boy, that sounds stressful. It was stressful. Yep. Like I said, I'll never forget that moment. And everything turned out fine. Everybody loved it. It was a great meal. Like, everything was good. But But how did you keep all the other... Dishes. I don't remember. Oh, wow. I don't remember. It's like, no, two or three hours. <laughs> so focused on that turkey. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. That, yeah. But it was a beautiful dinner. It was a beautiful dinner. And everything worked out really well. That was good. Yeah. And we've had, have you thought of one? I, I have plenty of stories being a line cook and stuff from working in restaurants. I haven't really had a situation like that yet during the private dinners. But you said yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can very well happen next week. But, uh, yeah, nothing crazy yet. Um, there's been plenty of situations where um, out on the island, you know, you, you go into the house and there's kitchens that don't have a lot of stuff. I think one of my first private dinners, it was a house I had never cooked in before, and I showed up and they didn't have plates. They only had, like, paper plates. And it's a pla- It's supposed to be, like, a, a nice plated, plated dinner. dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had to do their dinners on paper plates. Four course dinner on paper plates. It was like steak too. So like, oh, oh gosh, yeah, of course, yeah. utensils or they had utensils. Okay. They had like steak knives and stuff, but they only had paper plates, which was very strange. And that that's probably the only story I have so far with the private dinners. But I remember just feeling so bad because it part of like the. Uh, enjoyment of that is the presentation mm-hmm. and you know it, I feel like no matter how good you make it look it's always going to look strange on a paper plate like yeah because you're setting the table and everything right yeah 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 <laughs> the table set and it's like just Dixie paper plates <laughs> in there very casual I haven't heard that yeah. story that's funny. No, that's a good story yeah well I mean it's on the beach so like that kind of helps they have a nice view of the gulf and all that but you're eating surf and turf on paper plates. <laughs> easy to clean up. Enjoy. Very easy to clean up. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the services found, sound fantastic. So how best do people get a hold of you if they want to take advantage of some of these services? They get a hold of us through Facebook. So the Facebook, you'll, you'll either, you can message us directly or we have, if you hit, there's a contact us button on there, it'll send you to a form. That's like, if you're serious about it, and then it'll ask you a series of questions. It's really quick and easy. Ask for, you know, how to best contact you. What are your food allergies? If you have any or restrictions, the basic information that we need to give you a quote, you know, what services are you interested in? That kind of a thing. Yeah. And can they ask, like, can they say, I'd like a cooking class on this? Yeah. And Absolutely. You're, you're so flexible. Wow. Yeah, we try to be as flexible as possible. Um, there's some near, I always tell people, there's some near interested in trying, just ask. If it's not on the menu, I don't mind doing it, especially if there's enough of a heads up. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a dinner six months in advance and you really want this item, I'm completely fine if obliging. We'll make it. Do they ever say, what do you enjoy making? Yeah, well, most people who come here, they definitely want seafood. Okay. So I, I'd say 90% of the dishes I make, it's going to be seafood related. Um, and that's what I tell people I like doing. I'd, I'd go with that, what you like doing, you know. Well, that helped, yeah. <laughs> and we do have um, 
on some of our menus, we have that like chef's choice, like just leave it up to the chef. And that's what we kind of prefer because then we get to, like you said, we get to get creative on it, but we also don't mind, you know, we have a set menu where you, you pick from, you know, two appetizer, you pick from these appetizers, you know, we give you a list of everything to choose from and it kind of gives you a good idea of what we want or uh, people often ask us for extras and we are, yeah, more than happy to oblige. Is there anything down the road that you're thinking of that uh, you might want to start exploring? You just keep coming up with these new ideas, so I'm sure. Yeah, we do. We our, our group chat every day, one of us is in there saying, hey, guys, we got a new idea. Uh, <laughs> just yesterday, I was in there pitching a new menu to them. Uh, something I've been workshopping I'd really like to do out in the island, I think would go well, is um, really looking into doing uh, Korean barbecue parties in people's houses. So are you guys familiar with Korean barbecue? So Korean barbecue, it's kind of like a fondue type thing where you have, uh, you cook your own food at your table. It's more of an experience. So Korean barbecue is these little grills and you have just a bunch of different types of meats, vegetables, and you cook them at the uh, table together. Uh, so I'm looking into maybe doing something like that out there for uh, spring break. It's uh, pretty trendy right now. I've gone, there's a really good Korean barbecue place in Fort Myers. It's called Embers. Have you guys heard of it? You guys should definitely try it. It's probably one of the best restaurants in Southwest Florida. Um, but I think something like that would go over really well out there. So we're looking into it. Very cool. Are you thinking of anything? You keep wanting to learn and try things. Yeah. One thing I really want to do, and I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, actually, one of the other things Bo talked about, which has been on the top of our mind, is doing like a Florida luau. Like making it Florida style instead of Hawaiian style. And like, you know, Bo had the idea of, you know, you take. Uh, so the idea was like, what are the most Florida foods and what you think when you think of Florida? So I was like, we should roast a shark and do teriyaki gator tail. Oh. So we're looking into, oh, throw in hog. Please. Oh, sure. We're gonna do, we want to do swamp cabbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, just all the staples of Florida. And uh, so I'm looking into it right now. I have a couple contacts, but we're thinking of black tip shark right now and uh, just a whole teriyaki gator tail. Oh, fun. Yeah, that's, that's really exciting. And that's like, that's really in line with where I've been coming from and what I want to do is like, I want to like, I want to learn how to forage Florida. You know, I want to pick all the berries and all the herbs or whatever it is out there. And I want to turn that into our, the other thing I want to do is do like a, a tasting menu of Florida. There's so many farms on Pine Island and that's what I want to do. I want to set up at someone's farm. I want to do, you know, 50 seats, have everybody sitting together family style and do like a Florida farm, like a Pine Island farm to table tasting menu from seafood to the wild hog that we have out here. A little bit of everything. That's, something i'm inspired that'd to be do. packed if you had one of those i would hope i yeah well, i don't know what kind of clientele maybe on pine island that would even be into that or if it would be out or you know other people from the state but that's something that i would really like to do sounds yeah. like fun well thank you two so much we enjoyed listening to you thanks for coming out and doing a podcast was this your first podcast for both of you not me I'm not you because you were it yeah. yeah. in your first well yep. You're both good at it. Very good at it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you very much for coming. No problem. Thank you for having us. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, 
or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. And remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.